This is the Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Ranella. Yeah, I was telling you, I'm pretty wiped out today. I don't know how this, I, I do know how this ended up happening. I ended up partying last night. I had some friends over and had a few too many beverages. And then one of my friends and I got in a fight, not like a oh, yeah. fight, but like a verbal alter, altercation. And, and it happens between he and I sometimes. Uh, he's the only friend of mine that I have where we get in arguments and, mm-hmm. and it's like every once a year or so. And then we have this period where things are kind of weird for a while. Like we still spend just as much time together. Maybe we even overcompensate for it some, you know, because we both ex- value the friendship extremely much, but it's just like, Oh, I can't believe you did that. Now we got to be yeah, yeah. Other. Oh, I've I've had a few of those myself, especially during the holidays. You know, uh, have a few too many and get too opinionated. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were talk. What we were talking about was uh, it'd be interesting getting Matt Finehour's take on this. Hey, Matt, I I think I I finally have your last name. Spelled. I, I think you got it right every other time too. No, no, I'm saying now I don't have to look. <laughs> that's that is a terrible terrifying. name for me to spell oh I, it took me F-E-I- way longer than i wanted to and i want to admit to learn how to spell it just too many vowels blame the germans oh i guess that, that, <laughs> right. that makes sense that that would be a german yep a german name so we were talking about he was talking about how underage sex is rampant in our community. And he's a police officer and he's got four young daughters, so he should know. And I said, well, you know, Dustin, that's bucking the trend because nationally people of all and internationally people of all ages are reporting having less sex. Right. Did you know that, Matt? I didn't uh, know that. Um, I, I mean, the the empiricist inside me wants to come out and, and ask a thousand questions about uh, about the numbers on that. But yeah, because yeah, so it's just, all self because the, Ep- the Epstein stuff came out, or <laughs> <laughs> people are like, I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I, I I have a lot of opinions on that, and as as to why that would probably be, I think. I mean, some of it's like some people think that there's a, a, a environmental component component like microplastics. I think it's access. I mean, you've got one, and we've talked about this before. Yeah, I mean, you've got increased access to to pornography to. Uh, it's, it seems like every other model on Instagram has an OnlyFans account that's just a click away. I, I think that has a big, a big part of that. So I just typed in, are people having less sex? A failure to launch. Why young people are having less sex? LA Times. 
people have been having less sex, whether they're teenagers or not. The scientific American. And on and on and on. So uh, I guess the point is there's some folks in the scientific community that think that that's the case. I bet there's a lot of factors in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be a hard thing to with it'd be a hard thing to pin down. Yeah. Are they doing uh, self-reporting for those numbers? Yeah. I, yeah. What's the alternative? Trying to figure out how to unblur the my background. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but oh. Uh, no, you look. You don't need to worry about that. We can see you okay. just fine. I'll yeah, no worries. Shit. What, what, you got a bunch of horn porn back there you want no, us to look no, at? I'm, I'm in my unfinished basement, actually. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is my wife does marketing and, uh, you know, this is her setup. So she she hooked me up. So F- you're a uh, fishing guy. You got any good fishing jokes? Uh, not a lot of great jokes that I could say on a podcast, but um not 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 a, not a lot no oh i know two <laughs> i know two g rated fishing jokes yeah yeah do you know who jerry clower was no is, i don't like i don't like talking about people great people in the past i like to use the present tense even though they're gone i, I the brits talk about dead people in the present tense as kind of a, a habitually you know right but, yeah, so, yeah. yeah, but it feels weird with Jerry Cl- Clower to say he is. No, he's dead. Guy's dead. I'm gonna stop beating around the bush. And but he he was a minister and a comedian from Louisiana, and he all his comedy was all stories. He just told stories. So one story is that there's this guy in town in the middle of summer where it's Hotter than hell. No one's catching any fish. The fish are kind of, as they say in the South, lethargic. And, uh, but there's this one guy that is cleaning up like stringer after stringer, day in, day out. And finally, one of the game wardens, not in an in a enforcement capacity, but just asked him, can I go out fishing with you? I just, I just really want to see how, how, what you're doing. And the guy's like, sure. So they go out fishing, and this boy that's been cleaning up, he reaches into his tackle box, pulls out a stick of dynamite, lights it, and throws it in the water. Boom! A bunch of fish come up to the surface. And the game ward's like, you can't be doing that. I died you. There was something fishy. You, that's not, that's illegal. And the guy reaches into his tackle box, pulls out another stick of dynamite, lights it, hands it to him, and says, are you going to argue or fish? <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> I like that. The other one's much more, much shorter, but, and it's got like, it's kind of a religious joke, but it's pretty benign. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, you, you know why you got to take two Mormons fishing with you? Why is that? Cause if you bring one, he'll drink all your beer. i've actually seen that before with some with some clients they they say they're mormon they they drink beers all day i'm like wait so where are you on this uh you know Mm -hmm. on your religion (laughs) but 
Anyway, that's funny. I I hear jokes all day on the river, man. Oh, I it's, bet. Oh my gosh, it's it's pretty wild. Where where do you work? But, um, I was gonna maybe not say exactly because oh. this this spot can you is say what up. state? Oh or yeah, can... I'm in Wyoming. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Um, so that's I'm in good, Central. I'll, I'll I'll just say um, I'm on the North Platte drainage in Wyoming. Um, so all the way basically, you know, from Gray Reef all the way down to the power plant um in Casper, Casper, mm. Wyoming is where you, I guide. And you, but and you we, guide for trout? Yeah, yeah. Rainbow trout, brown trout, cutthroats. Um, but I guide up in uh another place on on the bighorn in Wyoming. I I guess I won't. I don't want to blow that spot up either. I, you know, no, we don't need to be just, talking about. We don't need to be talking about. Yeah, specific spots. They do that on all the other podcasts. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that's just you know, I and you know, it's it's a hard place for me because I'm a guide and that's what I do for a living. Is you know, ask people to come fishing basically with me. So it's it's you know it's a double edged sword for me because it's like you know how many people do you want mm-hmm. and um but wyoming's very special where it's always been in montana too you know where it's always been a place where people go to leave the crowds to go trout fishing you know and all 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 that we do is out of a drift boat you know it's fly fishing um all that stuff but it's you know, it's just gotten, it's gotten pretty bad. And I've only been guiding here in Wyoming for seven years. Mm. So I, I'm, I'm just going to go out and say, I'm not like a veteran guide or anything here in now, Wyoming. Do you guys, do you guys, you guys, you guys keep all them trout, right? No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> just, I, I do. I know, I know that when you're a fly yeah. fishing guy for trout, no. you don't keep no, 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 any no. trout. Uh, and I have nothing against it, honestly. My, oh, my, I, I see. I have a, something against what you do. Yeah, I, I'm sure. And I was going to ask you about like that. Just, I don't like just worrying fish. I was going to ask you about that. Yeah, about <laughs> I'm guys. I'm just joking. I do not have a problem with it. It's just I don't do it. Like no, I'm no, an, ang- no, I get I'm an it. angler through and through. Yeah. But if I poke a hole in his lips, he's going to get at. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get that. And I'm a, Unless I'm a, big it's a shovel nose sturgeon. Oh yeah. For caviar. Nasty man. Nasty. You just, you, you just kill or you just let him go. You mean? Yeah. 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 Um, but no, I have nothing against it. Like if we're camping or something on the side of the river, you know, I'll keep trout. But, um, you know, on, on a good day, we're catching 30 plus rainbows and browns. You know, if we were to catch all the, or keep all those fish, then we would be out of a fishery. So yeah, there's some, I've heard of, well, okay. This is in Wyoming. This is, uh, below the yellowtail dam. I remember. Um, no, this is below. No, um, no, no. I'm saying, I'm telling you about a spot. Oh, the sturgeon. No. No, you said that you'd be out of fish, right? If you kept them all, yeah, yeah. Now I just had a point I I was going to make to something I was going to say to illustrate that point. I remember this was twenty years ago when I heard the statistic that below Yellowtail Lamb Dam on the uh, Bighorn, yeah, Yellowtail would be the 
Yeah, bighorn. Those yeah. Fi- that fish in that stretch, on average, each fish gets caught three times a year. Jeez. Yeah. And yeah, as a guide, that's what I'm always, you know, trying to avoid. So I was born and raised in Colorado. Um, okay. In Loveland, in Loveland uh, uh, northern Colorado. And um, I started guiding on the Bighorn, or not the Bighorn, the Big Thompson River right there in the canyon, uh, which is just like west of Loveland. And it's all walking wade you know, fishing. And I worked for a fly shop up in Estes park. You probably heard of it like Rocky mountain national. I worked in Estes park when I was 14 years old for a summer, my older half brother owned a whitewater rafting company there. No shit. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I probably called Estes park adventures. Yeah. 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 I've seen. Yeah. I feel like I've seen them. Um, but yeah, I started working up there and, um, man, the crowds just with the people from coming from Estes and also from Loveland all over the place. And they were just stocking fish, you know, twice a year or whatever. And, um, it just, the actual guide service that I worked for, I won't mention them, but they, you know, had private spots that on the river where you could go to guide as a guide but they would put fish in there illegally um, from every person I've talked to at Colorado game and or Colorado the guy Parks who and, put fish in there. No, the outfitter, the, oh, the outfitter. Yeah. He, where would he get them? I have no idea, but they were stocking fish in there illegally on certain private sections. And as a guide that just didn't, it didn't, sit well with me and i was like if i want to put people on fish i want to put people put people on wild fish and you know i had been fishing i'd been coming up to wyoming it's only about a three-hour drive now with these trout just being that they're non-native is it a better word feral yeah yeah uh no no no, totally totally (laughs) but they're non-native but they do reproduce in the river you know on certain yeah yeah absolutely yeah yeah yeah. so the north platte drainage actually has zero fish native to it Mm, they're not even there's not even a little creek chub or something some little no Nothing. Not so the North, North Platte River, when you know the Oregon Trail and everything was going through Casper, like I I don't know how. Obviously, I wasn't there, but Casper was probably a little bit harder to cross. But like, if you cross the North Platte in Nebraska, it was a mile wide, what they say, and an inch deep. So it was, it was basically just a big, you know, drainage mm-hmm. of a uh, uh, you know an alluvial fan. Basically. Wow, that's interesting. And I they've no turned idea. it in. Yeah, but they've turned it into a pretty awesome fishery with multiple dams. So there's three different reservoirs that come. The North Platte actually comes out of Colorado. It's a north flowing river um, that comes off of the Continental Divide and um, goes into a chain of reservoirs. And there's different... it goes into Nebraska, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I. I went to a conference several years ago and I got to see it. I get, I'm, I'm re- recalling now. So it used to be a mile wide. Well, yeah, I I've heard half mile, mile, but either way it was, it was probably it was, way better for dogs. It was and geese for crossing. 
Well, totally, yeah. And that's that's the one of the biggest um sandhill crane sanctuaries in North America is uh-huh. the North Platte River okay. in Nebraska. Um, but you know, up here I'm sure it was harder to cross. But either way, there was no there was no fish in there. Um I I don't know exactly when, but I think they stocked it and they built the dams in I think the late forties or fifties. Maybe, maybe it was later than that, but, um, they stocked it, you know, at some point, but they had a really good strain of multiple different types of trout that they, they put in there and these fish, you know, in the spring, they really, they really do spawn. Like if you, if you float down the river in April, um, you're going to see tons of fish on spawning beds, which is probably again in November, right? When the browns spawn. Yep. November, yeah, December, yeah, even late October. It's it's just really it, that's what attracts a lot of people, especially from Colorado. Not to, you know, I'm from there and everything, but it's just the easy fish to target on spawning beds, which I don't agree with all the time. Um well, never really. Um but you see people coming out just to poach fish and you know two two feet of water and they're just sitting on their spawning beds you're saying just, you're using the word poach loosely like it's not like they're breaking the law it's just, no 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 it's no. just kind of it's cheesy to catch them on the bed yeah it's just i grew up doing that where i grew up in michigan yeah we fish like, salmon we fish salmon and steelhead yeah. and, and we were always fishing them on the winter spawning you know. I get that with salmon because you know they're probably gonna die anyway. No problem like, about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're definitely exactly. gonna die. Exactly. Um, but I it's wonder like, if there ever has been a salmon that bucked the trend. He's like, you know what? Right. Fuck it, I'm not gonna die. I'm yeah. just gonna <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just just made a double run. <laughs> yeah. Steelhead but, make multiple runs though. Yeah. I don't know how many they can ever, what the record is, you know, like recorded. Like, is it just twice or do they sometimes do it three or four times? I I think they, I think the mature bucks, like, like the mature males, they can keep going multiple rounds. But the, but, but the hens can't. I'm not totally sure. Honestly, I'm not a steelhead expert. It's Mm. basically a rainbow. So I don't know exactly. The main thing, you know, that I've seen a lot and, I was telling you the North Platte comes out of Colorado and goes into multiple different reservoirs. So in between those reservoirs, there's sections of river, right? So it doesn't just go reservoir, reservoir. Right. Right. A lot of those, a lot of those reservoirs have sections in between them, which, you know, spots like that in Colorado, like the South Platte that goes through Denver, those sections in between the reservoirs have been completely blown up because it's spawning grounds, right? Mm-hmm. So people what? go out there. Go ahead, man. Jake, are you what? Um, like, what is it exactly that's drawing those crowds out there? Like, how are people finding out about those spots? Um, honestly, I mean, I'm not sure exactly. Um, but it's just, I think a lot of it is social media. Uh, so I've, like I said, I've only been guiding here seven years, which isn't that long compared to a lot of the older guides and stuff here, but. I really think it's the quality of the fish, the quality of the fish. The average size on this river is about 
18 to 20 inches for for a rainbow or a brown and you have a good chance at catching you know 24 to 26 inch you know something bigger but it's the the fact that they do spawn in 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 this river system like the these fish reproduce um which in colorado you can't really find a lot anymore there's not very and, much natural reproduction in Colorado rivers. No, no. They're stocking. In, in Montana, there's, I mean, at most, I don't think yeah. they stock most of the streams. No, they don't. And in Montana and Wyoming, I feel, in Idaho, of course, are some of the states that are really holding on to, you know, the fish that are naturally reproducing. And, you know, they will, they will stock the river. Um, but it also comes down to a thing of genetics, you know, what, what type of fish are you stocking, you know, and, in, in that too. But, um, so you would think after maybe a hundred years, there'd be some natural selection towards a, a strain that was well adapted to the particulars yeah. of the, of the stream in question, you know? Oh, for sure. And, but like to bring it back a little bit. So like, guiding up on the big Thompson in the Canyon, which is the Canyon that goes up to Estes park. Um, you know, the, a big fish when I was guiding up there would be like 12 inches, right. Or like 14 inches, a nice rainbow, nice Brown. Occasionally you get like an, you know, 16, 18 inch Brown or something like that. But people come to Wyoming to escape the crowds and bigger size fish, but it's, you know, like, People are willing in Colorado in the front range, Loveland, Fort Collins, all that stuff, you know, Denver, they have to drive, you know, two, three hours to go over the West slope, basically to get some good, like real trout fishing. And they're like, well, we might as well, you know, go up to call or go, go to Wyoming. You know, it's only three and a half hours from from there so they they come out which is fine that's what runs my business and i work for an outfitter so i'm i'm just a guy but that's what you know supplies my income and everything but um man the 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 main thing is the wade fishermen that have really just taken over every public spot on the river so there's a you know there's a fair amount of private public spots that go you know, back and forth on the rivers spots. And it's not like Montana where you can anchor on, on the bottom of the river. Right. That's right. That's right. You can't anchor there. That's trespassing. Yeah. When you, when you say they've taken over the river, let's say per 100 yards of a river, how many fishermen would you say are, are, are waiting out there? So, I mean, I'm coming from a pretty humble stance because it's wyoming you know there's only half a million people in the whole state um but just in the seven years that i've been here i mean if if there's a hundred yards up below gray gray reef dam which is a pretty famous spot um you can expect five or six people out there which you know might not sound terrible um but you know, like I was saying, talking about the spawning fish, they come out in the spring and they come out in the fall. Oh, you're saying there's more angling pressure in the spring and fall. There's more angling pressure in the spring and the fall. And they're just sitting there looking for spawning fish and stomping around in the gravel. And there's a lot of factors of that. And 
of course, you know, it's a double-edged sword for me because, you know, I want people to come out and fish. That's, you know, that's my living, but um, man, it's just ridiculous. Like half of the holes, you know, the, the good runs and everything right below the dam, you can barely fish a lot of the time. Yeah. Cause there's, you know, you know what I think one solution to all that be, it'd be a, ve- a partial solution and it'd be the most fascinating experiment. Find out how well it worked, but air horn. No, <laughs> if you couldn't take any kind of camera with you yes and i was going to talk to you about that about the way my clientele has changed so that is to me the low-hanging fruit yeah with dealing with crowding issues is to disincentivize people that are not out there it's not it's not worthwhile to do it for the experience yep it's only worthwhile if I get to have an experience and say something about myself. Yeah. And I know that's a thing in fishing. You're literally hitting home what I wanted to talk to you about. Oh. So my, my, my clientele has changed so much that we were the first guide service in Casper, the outfitter that I work for. Um, so we have a, you know, great, great group of people that always have fished with us for 30 plus years and you know most of those but they're getting old you know we we've i think our uh our guide service started in i think 93 or 90 94 it started out you know my first couple of years here where people were very appreciative you know they catch two three fish or like they want to look at eagles they 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 love just being on the river they love anything natural look at that antelope look at that mule deer you know blah blah blah. taking pictures blah blah blah. and i still have tons of clients like that but it's changed to a thing where everybody's got a gopro strapped to their head you know everybody wants a grip and grin i i've had guys bring you know like clickers like the old bus drivers used to bring or the bus drivers would have, you know, uh, like a number yeah, counter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've they use them. Clients. They use them. They use those to uh, also to count waterfowl during migrations and eagles and stuff like that when they're trying yeah, to yeah. get an index of population size. So they yeah. they're just counting up their trout that way. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Count. Well, <laughs> most of those, dude. It's so it's so bad. Oh, it's so cheesy it's it's so cheesy as a guide because it's like i want to i want to give you a good experience but like you're trying not to have one right oh, now because yeah 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 that's a good you, point you're putting yourself in a bad position because you're counting and most of these are corporate trips you know where there's like three it's like a three boat group trip or whatever and all the guides are like, fuck, you know. And, and it's like just the boss is probably a fisherman and the rest of them are just there to. Right. Appeal, exactly. Like, and and we have to do it. Him. Yeah. We have to do a casting lesson in the morning and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, oh, now I want to compete in fly fishing. And it's just like, dude, no, mm-hmm. like you, you need to like learn a little bit before you get competitive. And it's the wait, same wait, thing. Wait, wait, who's, who's your. Who's your art of your imaginary 
person you're talking to right now. Are you saying this is one of the people that's on the trip that's never fished before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the net you're saying you've had a lot of them tons that the second time they come back they they want to compete. No, they never come back. The, the, these are corporate trips where maybe one or two of oh, the guys. Oh, oh, I see. This is on their first fishing trip. Yeah, They're like I'm going to compete with everyone in the boat to see who can get the most. Yeah, yeah. And okay. they, they just think that you know, fly fishing out of a boat and catching the most trout is easy. And you know, most of the time they're very cool about it and everything but you know th- there's just a rabbit hole we can go down there but um, yeah, i could give the guy on his first fishing trip he's not immersed in the culture he isn't it's not a pastime for them it's just like a like a, yeah. a game you know yeah it, they don't haven't developed an appreciation for for it yet i could see where i would do it if i didn't yeah. know nothing about it you know right and i and i you know you have to kind of support that as a guy, not support it, but you know, I definitely roll my eyes when, when they're trying to do that shit, but you know, it gets to the social media thing where you have people that have fished quite a bit and they come out and they got a GoPro and every single fish, you know, they want a picture of, I get it. You know, if you catch a big, you know, whatever, 25 plus incher, let's take a picture. Cool. Then, then release let's him. play him. <laughs> Dude, I'm down. <laughs> Seriously, though. <laughs> no, I am, though. Dude, so I'm a Is big it, What happened hunter, to too, that? So I, Go ahead. I, no, no, no. Sorry. Uh, I was just saying, I'm a big hunter, too. So I have nothing against, you know, keeping trout. I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I'm just making, I'm making noise. Uh, so whatever happened to that keep it wet, keep it wet campaign? That was a while i mean i think it was just people that were throwing keeping fish in their hands too long and everything i don't know exactly anything about that i just oh i i do i mean it was just a public awareness campaign encouraging anglers to not take the fish out of I, water. I agree with it i agree with it 100 because trout you know like most fish have that membrane on the outside of their body where if you have especially like dry hands or dirt if you throw them on the bank or if they hit you know dirt or anything then that membrane all comes off and they can get it i i have you know multiple times caught trout that have you can literally see where the people's fingers were oh. on their body um oh, so wow. i i think i think that was a part of that um you know what you could do about but, that? You could carry with you. So go out and get you catch you a, a snot rocket. You know what that is? Yeah. A pike. And just yeah, scrape, yeah. scrape some of that off and carry it in a little jar. And then when right. you catch a trout, yeah. just rub it in there. Just If he's just dry. <laughs> just lube your hands up real quick. You know, Matt, you've ever, you've caught a, you've caught a, you've caught a pike? I have. Um, so you know what I, I'm talking uh, about. I don't like grabbing them for for sure, but I like uh, filleting them. Yeah, like they is a gratifying fish to fillet because it takes a lot of practice to be able to get the Y bone out of them, you know. But once yeah. you get the feel of it, I I I like it. But I don't like all the slime. Holy shit, the slime! Yeah, but they're good eating. I like them just eat, about eat. as much as anything else. Yeah, even walleyes, man, they have a lot of slime. So all those reservoirs, I was, I'm not gonna, 
I guess I could say them. Uh, Pathfinder, we go out uh, ice fishing up there. And even those walleyes, man, they have a lot of slime. That's a reservoir? Yeah. It's called Pathfinder. Slimy walleye. Yeah. I mean, they're not, you know, not like a pike or carp or something, but, you know. Mm-hmm. So these fish are getting roughed up pretty good. Well, it's just... You know, in my short time here, it's gotten way like in seven years. How, how many is it doubled the number of folks? Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. And really, guys, and guys, really, um, yeah. So, uh, the BLM, I mean, so the BLM is still issuing permits for uh outfitters on this river. Once one goes away, obviously a new slot comes in, but you can, uh, there's no cap, at least to my knowledge. I tried to call them and, and talk to mul- multiple different people, but I kept getting, I emailed and everything and I kept getting transferred to another person, blah, 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 down the line. And they're like, yeah, we don't think that there is a cap on the amount of guide permit or outfitter permits that could be on the river so yeah yeah like when i first started you know even in the spring like april may which is when we really get going it would be like maybe 20 to 25 boats at gray reef which is the best fishing that time of year but we guide on you know 60 miles of river that goes way down but normally in the spring the best fishing's way up top and there's certain sections right there um uh it's absolutely exploded where like people are parking on the edges of the road there's campers there's freaking trailers everywhere there's wade fishermen every so basically the first mile after you put in you're pretty much screwed out of a boat because there's wade fishermen on both sides of the river everywhere that you go down and and you know not even not even getting into the uh, social media part of it. It's just like, you know. Yeah, and I don't want to paint it like. Well, here's the thing. It's like the so like if you if people couldn't make statements about themselves when they're out there, that would. Yeah, that would that would alleviate some amount of pressure. Certainly not going to alleviate it all by any stretch. But yeah, uh, yeah. So I don't know. I it is interesting it, though. That. Like how how long would people stay out if they didn't take any pictures it would they stay out for six hours catch the you know 20 fish yeah if if they didn't take any pictures or would they say you know let's fish for two hours catch you know five between five and ten fish and then let's go home uh you gotta think that that mentality would affect how much crowding on each river and how much pressure each fish fish is under during the year the fateful night I met you, Matt Feinauer, uh, you were telling me a story about how you kind of felt, compa- you noticed that you were more intrigued with the idea of going fishing one day because, because you wanted content. Yeah, uh, a long time ago when I, you know, I, I used to try and take up, if I caught 20, 20 fish, I would take 20 pictures. And I'd say, oh, I can't wait to post this. And I would stretch it out so it looked like I was fishing every single day. Um, and then I, it was one of your first invitations of, of Hunt Quiet to say, don't post a, a grip and grin for an entire year. Um, and so I I went on a, 
I, I went on a trip. I, I have some, I have a cabin up in Montana. So I was, and you know where the cabin is, right? Yep. Talked about I cabin. do. Um, so brought my family up there. Usually I fish every day and I, I made the decision. I wasn't going to post any pictures. I wasn't going to take a picture. I was just going to fish and enjoy myself. And I remember catching fish, having a good time going home the next day. It was a little rainy. The river was a little bit crowded. And I kind of thought to myself, I, I brought my daughter and my wife on, on this trip as well. I, I had a stronger urge to go back to our to my cabin, play with my daughter, spend time with my wife than I, than I did to fish that day. And I attribute that to I didn't have a desire to post a picture. I had fished the, the day prior. I was going to go fishing the the uh previous or the next day um i think i think there's a lot of people out there that are engaging in either hunting or fishing solely for the content yeah that makes sense i totally get that i i kind of went through the same progression you know because obviously i have tons of gripping grins on my instagram you know i'm i'm showing fish i'm i'm showing a couple elk yeah it's a marketing strategy for you it is, but it is, but honestly, like if, if I had 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 followers, I wouldn't, I don't, I don't think I would be doing that anymore because I started out, I'm only 30 years old. I started right on the cusp of when, you know, Instagram, Facebook and all that stuff was kicking off and I was starting to be a fishing guide and that's not an excuse, but you that's probably only 10% of the fish that I catch. I don't, if I catch one and it's a good opportunity, like I brought the fish in quick and everything like that, you know, I'll, I'll hold them up for a quick picture, but especially with guiding, it's like, it's probably only 10% of the fish that we actually catch that end up on my Instagram. Um, but you know, it's it, it it's hard for me because I grew up right on the edge of when all that shit was going, you know, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. But now it's just don't get me started on like the the influencer gals that, you know, are holding fish pictures and especially in saltwater. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, saltwater's terrible. And it's just I've I've listened to your guys' podcast for a while and it's it's really uh turned turned my tables a little bit about like what exactly are you doing? Because Instagram for me originally was just like something that my family and my friends could see, you know, I caught this fish today, you know, it was awesome. And I I like to give a little description of how it happened and and blah blah blah. But I, I'm curious, PJ, I want what you think about this. So um, speaking of saltwater, I, it was probably a year ago, maybe two years ago, um, that I got to go on a, a fishing trip with, uh, my wife's uncle and, and my, uh, my father-in-law and we went to, um, we were fishing for redfish. Um, I think it was down in Tampa. Um, and the guide, it was really interesting. Uh, the guide. I caught a, a really big redfish. It was really cool. Um, I did I did take a picture of it so I could show my wife the uh, the fish I caught. Um, 
And he was very careful to make sure that none of the background was in the picture. So he wanted, he took it at an angle where you could just see me in the boat, um, but nothing behind. So no one could see exactly where that spot was. And I'm, I'm curious within the trout world and the, and more of the backcountry uh, fishing scene is anything like that done. Oh, for sure. Yeah. There's, there's actually a lot of that. Um, most of the time I try to just take a picture of my client in my boat or me in my boat. Um, but occasionally, you know, you get like a, a couple bluffs in there or a mountain behind you where people can see exactly where you're at. But in reality, still in Wyoming, which is what makes it special, I think, is most people are not going to know unless they're a guide or, you know, anything like that. But it totally is like a lot of a lot of trout fishermen blur out, you know, their backgrounds and everything. But it is. And I've had guides yell at me where I've I, I haven't posted, but I've put it in like my story of my client on this section. And they're like, oh, wonder where that was, you know, but I don't look i have a thousand followers on instagram like i'm not i'm not like destroying you know i'm not i'm not breaking the internet with these with these posts but i am i do think about it 100 percent. so um it's pretty wild like how long you've been doing instagram for how many years um i'd i like 2017 somewhere on there 18 I was like, and I was just not this, a lot, like maybe just, one post a month. Okay, you know, it it's just amazing to me how going back to the influencer chicks, how sex builds a following so Dude. fast, so fast. I was just on this Gales podcast a while back, and it went. I can't even remember the name of it. The onset pod, I can't remember. Uh, Elizabeth Brownwell's her name, and, and, but it just went off the rails. We got in a huge fight. And oh, yeah. And but anyway, she's only been hunting and fishing for two years, 17,000 yeah. followers. It's insane. And that's what pisses me off as a guide, it, it, which I don't, I don't want that many followers. But it's like, so I have a couple girls that fish with me. They're not even me, but they come to the shop or they go through our service. But they, the only reason they're in it is because they get raw discounts. They get real discounts. They get everything discounted. And I'm a fishing guy. I, I do get discounts on, you know, stuff like that. But they're like major, major promoters like models or whatever and they've been fishing like four years mm -hmm. so i started i started fly fishing when i was 15 so it's been 15 years for me uh since i've been fly fishing started hunting when i was 13 and it's just frustrating you know i never really express it but it's just so annoying to see people come in they're like yeah i you know i'm a hot chick and I just started this thing and they post a bunch of pictures and maybe I'm being too. I just think it's fascinating. You take 
a, a gal that's a seven and you put a rod or a gun or a bow in her hand, it, yeah. in, in, in terms of instantly the, the, the social media space, it turns her into a 10. Yeah. And you got to include, you know, the spandex and a low cut shirt while they're shooting their bow. And it just pisses me off. Yeah, I hate it. I hate it. I think it's disrespectful. I, I can't. I do too. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, I like chicks. There is no doubt about it. I like chicks. You know, like mm-hmm. I, I'm tempted to put out a list on our Instagram of what I think the top Instagram models, who they are, just to yeah, direct and- attention away from these like chicks that are whoring out hunting towards just good looking gals yeah. that don't do that. Oh, for sure. It's, it's Better looking gals that don't do that. It's getting to a point now where it's really blatant because you you have these hashtags. Um, and PJ, you've probably seen this, but like the the hashtag fish bra. Oh yeah, that's so dumb. Um, what what I've seen, I just had a conversation with a guy on on our Instagram about this, but I've I've seen this happen as well. As you'll get these models or any any influencer that is just getting into fishing, they'll say, hey. I'm going to Nashville this weekend. Are there any good fishing spots? Do my followers have any good insights into the fishing down there? And it drives me nuts because the same thing will happen. I think it happens a lot with Wyoming, Montana, Idaho of, Hey, I'm traveling down to, I'm traveling up to Montana. Does anyone have any good uh, information on the rivers up there? And so they'll get all their information. They'll get spots. They'll get, oh, use this fly or use this lure at this time of day, head to this spot. Um, it It is a real issue. I would, t- I would tell them to go to, I, there's, there's a really good spot right between uh, Lick My Scrotum Peak <laughs> and, and, and Anus Basin, right in that little area there. It's, <laughs> and the oh, second is, you know that there's some guy that says, "Oh, I this is my chance to be able to talk to her." Here's this fishing spot. Go right here. There, there is going to be a. Oh yeah. Oh a, yeah. A, yeah. Oh yeah. People that are but when a dude does that, he probably doesn't get much advice. I would imagine. <laughs> yeah, and I I know you guys have harped on it a lot on the podcast about how to videos, or at least you've had guests do it. But the how-to videos with with fly fishing is getting out of hand. I mean, I'll watch like a couple knot tying videos occasionally. Like, oh, that's a cool knot or whatever. That's a service. Yeah. And, that, I mean, maybe I'm just saying that because I take advantage of them. But I've learned many a knot by watching YouTube, and I'm not but, I'm not apologetic about it. Right. But it, it's like these people that you know they they almost already have discounts on all their gear before they even hit the water a lot of the oh you know, yeah and it's hey, like man oh go go ahead I no just no no so you're fired good up about this shit no it's, it's like it's <laughs> i have just, watched people i've watched good looking women go from not hunting and fishing to being a hunting influencer there's not even a fucking gap no there's it's not, not like i fished for a while yeah. Then I became a fishing influencer. Yeah. I've watched it, it it starts at the same time. It does. Exactly. 
There's probably people out there that started being a fishing or hunting, women that started being a fishing or hunting influencer before they hunted and fished. Oh, for sure. 100%. And like going back to what I was saying, I shot my first cow elk when I was 14 years old. And the, and I've heard you say this a lot, Matt Ranella, is the passing down of information has gone very, it's very rare now. So my dad taught me how to hunt. We always went with a couple of his buddies, his buddy, one of his really good buddies, Tony was basically my mentor in fly fishing. But anyway, we, you know, we, I, I was holding a muzzle loader at 13 years old. This was passed down to me through generations. My dad's dad hunted and fished both sides, but it's getting passed down knowledge and, you know, where to go and things like that. I feel like has everybody's taken it for granted and they've just thrown it out the window because of social media and the amount of information that you can get online. It's just, it's like, I, you know, I grew up with that stuff and I was, you know, playing in the mud and, uh, you know, fishing out of my parents' backyard when I was, you know, three years old. And I feel like that doesn't happen as much anymore. And it's okay that that doesn't happen, but just don't post it on the internet the first second when you get into it and be like, look, I'm awesome. You know, I, I shot this thing, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, went with an outfitter and shot this big bull or whatever, you know, and I post things on the internet too, but anyway. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I'm just, so to give you an example of Colorado, um, my parents, uh, they have a house on a lake, a Lone Tree Reservoir, what used to be Lone Tree Reservoir in Loveland. Where's Loveland? Um, From, From Denver, say? It's about an hour north. Okay. It's it's, okay. it's only like 45 minutes from the border of Wyoming. Oh, okay. Yep. So my parents, the house that they bought when I was, I think, 10 or 11 years old, uh, we grew up like maybe only 10 minutes from there, but when I was like born and stuff. But uh, yeah, so they bought this house when I was like 10 or 11 and it was a state wildlife area access uh we we you're saying that was an adjoining property to where you grew up no 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 it it was it was a couple miles down the road okay anyway yeah yeah that was your that was your recreation area where i was born and raised was yeah not very far um how big was that not big it it was just we we had a field behind our house where the rancher would let us go under the barbed wire and We'd go down to the creek and catch crawdads and stuff like that at Did our you first eat house. Them? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. My dad and my dad and I would shoot prairie dogs out of the top window, and our neighbors would yell at us. Did you eat but, those? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but, <laughs> my nephew ate one a few years ago. I was pretty amazed. But oh no, I, that's dangerous. My brother has a thing where it's like you shoot it, you eat it. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 in that school, I guess. Um, but anyway, this, this, uh, reservoir, it's, it, it, it was a major, uh, access reservoir in Loveland, uh, Lone Tree Reservoir. And now it's, uh, they built a golf course around it. It's all privatized. We used to absolutely 
you know, slay geese and ducks and, and catch walleye out of there. And now it's all private. They're building mansions all along the other side of it. And they still let us go down there and fish, but, um, man, it's just Colorado. I don't mean to harp on it, but it's just, you know, like I grew up going down there with my black lab and catching walleyes at, you know, 1130 at night you know, 12 o'clock at night down there, just me and him catching wipers and walleyes and shooting geese and ducks with my buddies down there. And damn, that's you're all like, da- you're like Davy Crockett right in, in, in Loveland, Colorado. Well, Loveland, yeah. Loveland, Loveland wasn't big back then. It was only like 45,000 people maybe, but there's a lot of countryside, you know, a lot of, a lot of farms and stuff. And, uh, yeah, that, that was where I really cut my teeth though on fishing was like going down there with like four rods and I would set up two on the bottom, you know, and then just cast my, my, uh, Rapalas or whatever spoons on the other side. There was an inlet that goes in down there, but now it's all the whole side and the whole side is mansions and there's a PGA certified golf course right there now oh and and they're putting fertilizer on the golf course and it's running off into the reservoir oh geez and so it's, it's getting all it, that's called eutrophication yeah but i i just wanted to tell when you about it, that. when there's too much nutrients in a body of water so it gets all kinds of algae and weeds yeah too many have you ever heard of the western contours podcast no i haven't this guy lives in your state, Guy Duplantier. And I just was, mm-hmm, I just was on his podcast last week, and he said the hunting's not crowded. Hunting's not crowded, and and I can't even say it without laughing. Don't, in Col- don't. in Colorado. Oh, I thought you were going to say in Wyoming. I was like, don't mention it. No. <laughs> yeah, no. no Colorado is ridiculous, dude. Yeah, I, I was like, wow, you're a hunting podcast host, and I like. I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, I don't hunt there anymore at all. Mm. I, I, I mean, if you want to hunt in Colorado, uh, you have to hike, you know, have mules, whatever alpacas like you have and go way or llamas. I guess you have llamas, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go way back. I mean, Wyoming, Wyoming's terrible hunting. So, you know, tell Yo, everybody. Oh yeah, that's shit. Just, it's just shit, dude. Shit so yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know why that is? They haven't they haven't done enough R three. Like they need to do some R three to get the hunting better. Yeah, yeah. You no. Know? No, for sure. And like, um like Colorado, it's got decent hunting, way better than Wyoming. And it's because they've done all that hard R three work down there. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, you should go there. <laughs> no i'm 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 pretty spoiled here in casper but oh what yeah i'm not gonna say it. well i mean it's, it's a damn good state i'm jealous it is yeah but so is montana but um the initiative you guys are doing is, is uh hunters for access right yeah oh hey if you're listening to this right now we're looking to start a chapter in Virginia. So reach out to me at huntquietly at gmail.com if you're in, in Virginia. 
And I don't know, maybe you don't want it to all go to whitetail properties and land trust. If you're somebody that kind of likes that, not thinks that's a bad idea, reach out to me because we're going to start a chapter there. Matter of fact, I try not to get, I, I try not to get distracted when I'm podcasting, but I just noticed on my phone, Matt Feinauer, our Instagram moderator, that you must have put out a post about us looking for volunteers in Virginia. Yeah, the the one um, I told Chris I was going to put it out yesterday. And when did you put it out? Today. Oh, we already got a volunteer. Sweet. I just, got, I, I just looked over a minute ago and saw like the subject line, which was sufficient to convince me that somebody is willing to help in Virginia. Well, whoever you are, if you're listening, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, this is a big digression. We got to get back to trout fishing. No, no, you're good. I'm listening. Um, What's your favorite pattern? Oh, man. Probably the uh, Pat's Rubber Legs. Hmm, you ever I seen that know. one? It's, it's, it's a big stone fly and it's a lead wrap. It's oh, it's probably you. You must fish some deep water. It must get pretty deep on, on the plate. Well, they got it all dammed up. It's more so a uh, faster current. You're fishing oh. it towards the bank mm-hmm. and you only fish about three, four feet uh, from, from your uh, indicator down to it. And it's basically an edible weight. So it's got big rubber legs on it and you're just bumping along the bottom. Yeah. And then, um, but honestly, I mean, that's nymph and I, I loved a streamer fish. Do you fish when you're, when you're not working? Yeah, for sure. Oh, damn. Um, Holy crap. You are into it. If I was a fly fishing guide, the last thing I'd want to do on my day off would be go fly fishing. Well, not trout fishing. I like to do saltwater. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, um, yeah. where do you go? So, do you, where do you go do that? So this past uh, May, we went down to Venice, Louisiana, and uh, did really well on reds down there. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, okay. we did a day offshore too. Uh, we we chartered a captain offshore. We caught some big yellowfin tuna um, out there in Venice. It was about a two-hour drive offshore, but yeah, it it was worth it. Came home. That's with a, a goal bunch of, of mine. Is I want to catch a tuna someday. Oh man, it was. So I don't fun. even care what kind. They're just they just look so beautiful. They are. Yeah, like that chrome and that bullet shape. I would just love to see one. Oh yeah, they're, somebody they're was just, just a, recently told me. That with a bluefin tuna. Oh, it was my my buddy David Klumpner was telling me, and it wasn't bluefin, it was yellowfin fin. That they actually can tuck their fins into these little pockets. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, they put to them make back. Make them go faster. Is that what yeah, you yeah. do? Oh yeah. Yeah, they tuck them back against their body when and they give it a big tail kick and yeah, it's and and then I've got really good family friends in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, we go we go out for mahi and uh, we caught a fifty nine pound wahoo uh, two winters ago, which is a giant wahoo, and uh, we've caught sails, you know, hammerheads, all kinds. Of, I love saltwater, so when I go to when I go to you know fish for myself, I like to do saltwater, but 
Okay. Occasionally, I got I got a little boy. He's just over a year old, so haven't been doing a lot of that. Yeah, anymore, yeah, I don't caught into that shit. Yeah, I'm told. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just a uh, you know I don't to bring it back around. I mean, you know, in my short seven years, I've just seen this fishery and multiple others just change. Man, it's been you know the this summer this was the hardest guide season i've ever had in terms of like fish fish caught mm. um but and what do you think what, what do you attribute that to i i think well a lot of it was the weather you know we had we had a lot of uh random snowstorms and everything like that come in but i think the pressure is not helping i've been seeing a lot more beat up fish and 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 stuff like that but you know, like I have non-resident fishing in Wyoming since 2017. Uh, fishing licenses has gone from 18,000 to 26,700. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Wow. So from 2017 to 2021, yeah, 18 to 26,000. It's just, wow. it, but, you know, and I, not to get political, but, I think California is really everybody's moving out of that state, going to Colorado, going to Texas, you know, going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that's a, I'm sure that's a that's a a contributor for sure. And the, yeah, and the pandemic and, is also is yeah, is also, and everybody wants everybody wants to get outside since the pandemic. It just seems, which is good, you know, for me. But it's uh, eventually what I think probably what's going to happen. I'm, I'm very open to this idea, but it'll be egg on my face if it does. It'll be embarrassing for me because it'll be like I I actually started and contributed with Matt and others to this thing where we're very concerned about over-exploitation of natural resources. Yeah. But what if in five years the metaverse gets so damn good that people just have no desire oh, to interact with the natural <laughs> world? I'll be like... Then the people will look at me and go, remember that guy that was trying to get people to go, less people go outside? Now nobody wants to go outside. Right. You got to pay I've, people to shoot deer now. I've you thought know? about that too. Yeah. Like way down the road. Yeah. And yeah. Every Everything just comes back and is flourishing. And oh, man. Let me ask you guys a question. Let me ask you yeah. guys a question. Do you see any, let's say that you could, you're a brain in a vat. And this, this is an idea that goes all the way back to uh, Aristotle. No, 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 no not Aristotle. Uh, Socrates in Plato. There's a in Plato you read about the allegory of the cave, which these people are down. These men are down in an underground cavern, and they're having shadows cast onto a wall. And they, and they think that that's reality. Uh, so From a fire. What's that? From a fire, I would assume. Yeah, At something night. like that. Yes. And then one of them escapes and goes and experiences the natural material world and comes back and reports to them about it. And they're like, BS, that's not real. This is real. You know, in a simulation and all that. 
on YouTube, you'll find all kinds of luminaries talking about this stuff. But it's a very, very, very old idea. But I guess the question I'm wondering about is, what if it was really your brain in a vat and you're just having electric stimuli imparted to that brain and you're having delightful experiences? Is that any, I think that that almost, I think that'd be an improvement. Oh yeah, for sure. More environmentally friendly. Oh yeah, definitely. No, I totally agree with you. It just feels creepy because it seems to kind of lack meaning. There's no striving, but they could pipe in the striving too. They could make it be like that in your brain, you worked really hard to get this thing that you got. Right. You think Matt, Oh, I think it it would depend on your existential views on like what is what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be a a conscious being? Does consciousness continue on? You know, post uh, post death things like that. I think you're going to find people where that doesn't matter. And yeah, if that experience is good for them, then that's going to be good for them. And you're going to have people that are going to say that's not enough because my consciousness carries on beyond what I'm experiencing right now. So you're going to have, you're going to have multiple, you're going to have people that where that works and you're going to have people where that doesn't work. Yeah. I guess if you, let's say that there was an age where you got to decide when you're maybe 21 or something like that, that's where you could typically, they trust you to drink. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you go, okay, you got to make a choice. You can live in a simulation where you're going to use no environmental resources, no fuel. You're never going to fly anywhere. You're never going to drive anywhere. You're not going to require any food. Well, yeah, let's just say that you don't even require food maybe a little bit for your brain because they're going to take your brain out and put it in a vat and they could probably got to feed it some amount of protein and stuff somehow <laughs> but the very minimal food very minimal minimal environmental impact you're not going to crowd hunting or fishing or anything else and you'll you'll have you'll have no idea that this has happened to you and you will have a better experience than you could ever hope to have man that sounds amazing <laughs> i just don't know why you wouldn't do it man i just don't see yeah it. it's <laughs> like you because you, you're nothing more than your i don't you, your mental life is what you really are you know oh for sure so i don't know it's weird yeah. because you would be you would be in a simulation or a machine that was also programmed to cause some sort of pain or physical discomfort. Otherwise, right. you wouldn't. Or, or, or you right? You're you're okay. Wait, um, go ahead, Matt. Finish your thought. Or just I, otherwise, I, you I, wouldn't wouldn't know what. Like you have to have a comparison to be able to say what's good or what's good and what's bad. You have to be able to compare it against something. I I, I mean I I look. I, I think you're right. I think you're right. They would have to. They they'd have to hit the pain level the pain button once in a while. And you have to look at like hunting. You're having people. You're having young individuals. Can um, you turn your? Can you turn? 
Matt, can you turn your mic down a little bit? I should have this right away. Like right at, there you go. Does that work? Yeah, it's a little better. Okay. You're having, you're, you know, you're having individuals. Well, um, no, there's not a way to turn down the volume. I don't think so. Now that we're about <laughs> done with the podcast, I'm addressing this. But you'll have, yeah, <laughs> right. you'll have to figure that out at some point. Because uh, I know I will. We're, um, our produ- our podcast producer will uh <laughs> will God bless him, Alex Vieira, if you're out there, who's doing it for free, is really trying to improve the audio. So I could tell you're he would say you're peaking a little bit. But anyway, go okay. ahead. What I, was, hey, I, what I was saying was talk like Mr. You, Rogers. <laughs> well what I was saying is you you, you have to you're getting kids that are coming into to hunting now that don't know anything beyond like what hunting and what the outdoors was like pre cell phones, pre cell phone service, pre Instagram. And they think that's what hunting is. I, I have to show a grip and grin or else I didn't go. And we, you know, I have a, a slight advantage because I mean, I'm basically the same age as, as PJ. I'm, gonna turn 32 this year um i can remember a time when that didn't exist um i remember a time when i could go to my cabin and not have cell phone service and not have to worry about phone calls or emails coming through and i've started to experience what that's like with it and it very much diminishes it so it, it gives me a comparison of like i know what i want because i know what i don't want yeah i agree with that 100 percent i didn't mean to get all philosophical with you guys like i brought us down this on this journey but no it's it's all good i you know it's you know if you go if you go shoot a big bull or a big buck or something like that it's like why why do you have to always share it online why can't you just you know get a mount if you want to and put it in your house and if you have people over for dinner, you know, tell them the story. You you don't need to post it online, you know, every single time. And I know you guys harp on this all the time and we're just, you know, going over it again, but I totally agree. Yeah. It's with, with, with fishing. And I listened to that podcast, uh, with your brother, uh, Dan, uh, is it Dan? Dan. Oh, Dan. Yeah. yeah, about the salmon in Alaska, and so the most interesting and intelligent of the three Ronello brothers. Dude, uh, that guy, yeah, I was, I, I love that episode, and this was on the Hunt Quietly podcast. It's entitled Dan Ronello. That's the name of it. If you're listening, right okay. Now, so. yeah, yeah. No, I know you know. I'm just telling people if they want to check it out. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That guy. Like I'm incredibly proud to be a relative of him. Yeah. I'm sometimes and, it's, I'm, I'm amazed. Like, wait a minute, we're from the same stock. How is that possible? Yeah. He, he's smart, man. You can just tell, oh. I mean, and all, all three of you guys are honestly, I mean, I, I, I listen to Steve. I, I'm not going to lie. I, I listen to some of their podcasts. I follow some of their content. Occasionally. Even I just make a bunch of noise. Dan's actually smart. <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> but, 
But that was so sad to hear about some of the salmon runs in Alaska. That's mm. mm-hmm. and and the sockeye are doing okay, he said in some areas, but man, I mean that that just goes to show I, I just feel like everywhere everywhere that I look in fishing right now, it's like kind of declining. Like yeah. look at the Florida Keys. I mean, the Florida Keys with, you know, the red tide and all the stuff that they've had down there and overfishing. I, you know, I've thought about, I've done that quite a bit and I've thought about going down there and trying to guide down there, but it's just overrun with people trying to guide down there. And I know a couple of guides that have been down there for a few years and they're, they're saying like they're disappointed in what they're getting for their clients every day. Yeah. They're, they, they feel bad charging people money to go out fishing in the Florida Keys because the Florida Keys has blown up so much with tarpon, permit, bonefish, all that stuff. And it's just, I, I don't know. I, I feel like yeah, fishing. Overexposure. Overexposure. Yeah. But I feel like at the same time, um, hunting on social, going back to social media, hunting is a little bit more. Um, if you're posting a grip and grin with a mule deer with a bloody mouth, you know, and, and a kill shot is a little bit more, you know, invasive for people that don't hunt or anti hunters than holding up a picture of a big tarpon or a big trout that you're going to let go. Yeah. It's more, it's more consequential for, I feel like, yeah. yeah, I I feel like it's a little bit more consequential. Yeah, that's a that's the word I was looking for. I'm yeah, I'm just a fishing guy. <laughs> <laughs> I teach people how to fish. I don't know all these words. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what? You know what? Uh, when go ahead, go ahead, because I was going to change no, no. subjects. No, 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 you're good. Go ahead, so. Matt. Go no, no, go ahead, Matt. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. No, I was just harping on the Florida You never Keys. asked me what my favorite fly was. Oh, yeah, yeah. What is it? When I, Growing up in Michigan, fishing steelhead. <laughs> I don't know why, but you know how you use yarn to make a little spawn sack? Yeah, oh, yeah. We would do that with blue yarn. Okay. And it would just, we would just crush on that fly. Like yeah, a a ball of blue yarn as big as your thumbnail, right, right, or steelhead. Okay, and you could be out in the middle of the winter on a twenty degree day, and fishing some stretch that's a hundred yards long and eight feet deep. It's a huge stretch, right? And you're throwing this little tiny blue ball out there, like yeah, right. No shit. And you hook a twelve pound and you hook a twelve pound fish. Did you tie it into like little different like knots? Like so it looked like a cluster, or was it just like a ball? No, one little ball, one ball. One little ball. Like that looks like an oversized salmon egg. Really? Yeah. Would you drop the hook below it? Like nope, pegging? No. Nope, nope, oh, nope. okay. Just, yeah. That was it. Just right in it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It still blows I, my you mind. never know. I've I've always heard that though with steelhead, they love purple and blue. 
Mm. Steelhead and salmon. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. They really do. I mean, purple, purple, big, you know, streamers are very popular. I know in BC and up mm-hmm. there in Idaho and all that. But yeah, that makes sense. I mean, fish or fish, man. They're, you they're might really want to try maybe, maybe it. Maybe it's not <laughs> just steelhead. Maybe it's other rainbows. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, we, I mean, we, we do fish eggs occasionally, uh, you know, in the spring and the fall, like egg patterns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we try not to get too dirty on that. I mean, you're fishing behind if, the red, probably. Oh, yeah, way down. Like most of the runs we're fishing are like six to eight feet deep. Okay. So the, all, all the reds, you know, obviously are like one to two feet. Um, and if we see like fish up in the gravel, like actually spawning, like we're not you know, we're not messing with them, mm-hmm. but we, we do fish, you know, we fish colored stuff like that. Like we will fish egg patterns and some people frown upon it, but, um, it is, you know, it, it's very effective at times. And I find that a lot of times with the eggs, they, they actually get hooked a lot better than they do. If, if you're like stripping a streamer, or if you're like oh, fishing just, a, a tiny, a tiny little down better. Yeah, well, it just yeah. normally ends up right on the tip of their oh, their nose. Okay, okay. Whereas, like, like a smaller fly, sometimes they'll, you know, it'll get way back, or you know, it'll hook them in the dorsal, and you know, something like that. But in our at our cabin in Alaska, you're allowed twelve salmon a day, six from the this is pinks and silvers, not king you're only like allowed a king one is it one king a day yeah i, I think, think they it, changed it to one a day uh, yeah but at least i don't i don't i obviously have no idea but but and if you're in the if you're in salt you're allowed six in salt water and six in fresh water at our cabin and that you can snag the six that are in the salt so you're oh, okay in the estuary just outside of the river as a meat hunter, man. Yeah, rake, those are good eaters. Rake, rake and roll. I show you, I just pull in there and just start raking. Yeah. You, know? you have like a weight or a weighted hook? Usually I'll just use a spoon because it just sits in the water column at about the right mm-hmm. depth, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you could you could just use a you know, like you ever seen those snagging hooks that have the lead around the treble hook. Yep. It's like a blob of lead right in the middle of the treble hook. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, here, you know what they use those for big time. They use them in Michigan too, where I grew up because they would use them for snagging salmon. There were places where you could snag salmon there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here they use them to snag paddlefish. Oh, really? Yeah. You guys know what a paddlefish is? Yeah. Yeah. You I do okay. Do you know Matt? Oh yeah, I, I they they I don't think paddlefish make their way out to uh, Utah, but I've seen them. Yeah, so there's a fishery for them in the Yellowstone here where I live. You're allowed one a year to keep, and then there's like days where you can just fish for them, catch and release. But they ain't, ain't no way they're gonna bite anything. They're a filter feeder. Right. So you see oh. people, so you snag them 
And uh, yeah, use one of those big treble hooks with the weight in it. You know, you know that's what I was thinking with the sturgeon below uh, yellowtail. It was paddlefish. No, er, 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 earlier you mentioned sturgeon. I was like, oh, below. No, 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 no. What I was talking about was two things. I don't like eating shovel nose sturgeon. Oh, okay, yeah. I think that they they're it's just interesting because I always thought that a sturgeon would be good to eat, and then when we moved here, I started catching shovel nose out of the Yellowstone, and they're terrible. Really terrible. Yeah, I eat a hell yeah, they- of a lot of catfish out of that river. And, you know, some people think a catfish is a second class citizen, but I I think I I like cat, the catfish, but mm-mm. no. But what I was saying about yellowtail dam on the bighorn is that. Those fish in that stretch get caught three times a year on average. Can you just like snag them anywhere? It doesn't have to be in the mouth like salmon do. With the paddlefish? Yeah. You can snag them anywhere. That's, yeah, you're just, all you're doing is trying to get a hook in them any, any way you can. You know, there's, so they're in the, they're in the, they run upstream out of the reservoirs and they're in the Missouri and they're in the Yellowstone. And so there's places people fish for them in both, but on the Yellowstone, there's a there was a place called Intake. It was a a rock dam that they put up over by Glendive. Every year they had to reconstruct it because it get wiped out by the high flows in spring, and they reconstruct it, just put rocks up there across the whole river, and those fish would back up behind those rocks. And there was even a caviar processing plant there. Like I was going to say to eat the they eggs. Would, they would give you, they would flay your fish if you gave them the eggs. Oh, wow. But last year, two years ago now, they put a bypass around that to allow fish to get through because they're really concerned about another sturgeon called a pallid sturgeon. I got to do a podcast on these pallid sturgeon. They're amazing. They're like so freaking rare. They are a hair's breadth from going extinct and they're trying to bring oh, them back. Really? Yeah. 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 So do, they do those, put a uh, pallet surgeon have like a, they have a nose on them. Like they, they look they're They're hard to tell apart from any other sturgeon. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. And so those ones, so they put this thing in there now and now the fish don't stack up there anymore. So they don't have this caviar station there that they've had for decades because uh, it's just not a good place to fish anymore. The fish go right by. and But for some reason, they like to spawn and hang out right where the tributaries come in. And where I live, the town of Miles City, it's at the confluence of the Yellowstone and the Tongue River. Yeah, yeah, I know the Tongue. They caught 40. I'll just tell you, it's not like that. It's like a big deal. It just doesn't seem like, oh, there's going to be more people fishing for stir- for, pa- uh, for paddlefish <laughs> yeah. here. I don't think but that's like, a big market. <laughs> they caught like 40 paddlefish at the mouth over the course really? of the season. Yeah. And before they took that, started that, that dam thing, some of them would get go over the dam. So it was nothing to catch a few. But like two or three, but the townsfolk caught 40. So it's pretty Damn. cool. These fish are getting way into areas that they haven't gotten in a long time. 
And the pallid wow. sturgeon last year, they tracked one with an airplane all the way up into Wyoming. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, I I know that they have, uh, I don't know about paddlefish, but they have uh, a sturgeon on the bighorn system in Wyoming. No, no, I'm saying one of these pallid sturgeon that they have marked. Oh, yeah, yeah. They followed it with the all the way up into Wyoming. Oh, the, the reason that they're struggling so much is because when they lay, when they spawn, the baby, the babies hatch and they, they're a free flowing larvae that flows downstream in the current. And if they don't get to a point in their maturity level where they can swim on their own before they hit one of the reservoir, the reservoirs, they languish. They can't survive. They have to become able to swim on their own to, to survive in the reservoir. Yeah, like a fingerling at least. Yeah. So that's what they're trying to do is allow these things to get further upstream before they spawn. Okay. And they have these marked females that they catch every year and they collect their eggs. and bring them back and captive rear fry and release them to get around this problem. But the whole idea behind this diversion around intake is to let the fish get further up where hopefully there could be some natural reproduction. You know? Wow. That's wild. You wouldn't think of that when you think of uh, Montana and Wyoming. Jeez. Yeah. It's wild. It's such a crazy thing. So these fish techs for Fish, wildlife, and parks, they go up and down the river all spring trying to detect these fish. They got markers in them and then use these hoop nets to catch them. Not hoop nets, but cast nets. And then once in a blue moon, they often will catch a male. And then they're all excited. It's like, oh, they had a male with them. That's awesome. You know? Right. And, uh, but once in a blue moon, they, they catch another female. And then they're super excited about that because they can tag it. And they get, so there's fish out there that they don't know about, but not many. Really? So you've tried sturgeon? It's not, it's not great? Well, I don't know about other ones, but there's another, okay, yeah. so there's another species that's extremely prolific in the same system in the Yellowstone, Missouri system called a shovel nose. And oh, yeah. those are not good eating. Now, they're, so, I don't know about like lake sturgeon and, oh, and what's the one they catch in the Columbia Basin, white sturgeon? Yeah, I think they're white. I think some of those are very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I've heard about them up there on the on the Fraser in the Columbia. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's is this wild. good podcasting to go on this kind of a no man? Good, how are we man. doing? Is this is anybody gonna listen to this? <laughs> I mean, we'll get our usual five or six followers. Or so, three, that's three, right. our our region our yeah, it's not even like we're podcasting. We're just having a discussion. Yeah, it's all good. Friends. I I I knew I wasn't gonna bring a lot to the table. I'm not a fucking scientist or anything. I'm just a fishing guide, so um, but honestly, like Matt Rinella, I wanted to get your, I already asked you, I think, but outfitters, do you think, so if like the hunt quietly thing is like a, you know, three prong trident 
and you got social media, um, you know, YouTube, what, which is social media, but you know, outfitters and guides, don't you think that they're adding to the problem with public crowding and, and everything uh, like that? What I always say is, it's so weird for me to answer these questions because why would anybody give a shit what I think? You know, everybody's got to think it yeah. for themselves. So, but in my opinion, I'm not anti-guide and outfitter. Okay. I, I'm, 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 I'm anti-guide and outfitter that anybody that's operating, a guide or outfitter that's operating where I can go as well, I'm okay with what I'm it's not, not like okay. outfitter. It's not like most outfitters are buying up a bunch of public land. Most of them aren't, you know, well, you can't buy public land. Uh, or, you know, you know, what, what uh, le- leasing the that is, is the, the story with uh, Jimmy John's where he hires an outfitter to find these elk on public land and the outfitter ends up like blocking the road. So no one else can access the uh, public land. I would say that that would be the caveat where where it's going way too far. Yeah, that, I'm not, yeah, I'm not down with that yeah. for sure. But yeah, yeah outfitter guy that's operating legally on public land. I don't know. That I just it's not something I'm against. I'm more okay. focused on outfitters and guides that are just blocking out everybody, but them. Right. Like I'm going to lease this place or buy a bunch of property and just outfit it, make money off the public's wildlife i yeah personally i that's where i draw the line you know yeah and when you really look at it i mean guides and outfitters aren't aren't doing a lot of uh influencing on social media you know like no you get that and, for free from other people yeah exactly you're the, be- you're the <laughs> beneficiary of a bunch of free advertising exactly and we we have to deal with the leftovers <laughs> yeah. but it's yeah and it's you know like the most guides and outfitters especially with fishing you know they they have their own clientele base and they're coming into fish and and stuff like that so it's not a lot of uh you know you're not out there trying to post videos of of brands and and sponsorships and all that stuff you know we're just and even the outfitter that i work for ryan and liz anderson they're amazing they they talked to me and multiple other guides i'm sure but they were like i don't think we need any more guides we have we have like a solid crew of like 10 guides and they're like i don't think we need you know because they're permit and you I can get into the BLM permitting system and all that stuff, but we don't need any more guides on this river because I, there's eight already here, eight or nine and a couple come from Colorado all the way over here to guide. And these are just for your company being responsibly. And there's a couple guide services that will just take more guides and more guides and more guides and more trips and more trips and more trips and it's like, how much can this resource take? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So do your bosses but, do anything to give back? Um, yeah, for sure. Like, um, we we you know, we go to all the, the meetings and stuff in Casper. Um, but um But that's just advocating for themselves. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like give back to the resource. Like 
I mean, I don't know, stream restoration. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So there was a big stream restoration in downtown Casper that they were a part of and and okay. help finance and everything. Yeah. So they they had a uh, they had basically you know excavators in the middle of the river. Downtown Casper was not good fishing for a long time, and now uh, it's they've totally restored it. They put it in a bunch of uh, you know banks and and gravel and this and couple you were worked work that you worked for they were instrumental in that they they were part of it yeah yeah, yeah for sure cool. ryan yeah ryan yeah especially. the reason i asked this question is because i that's just one of the things one of the things that yeah. pisses me off is that yeah you're just using the there resource. are so many i don't know about guides maybe it's different but hunting personalities there are so many of them. Yeah. Oh, tons. Just take, 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 yeah. take, take. No right. give, just take. And then I look at my little, the little group I'm involved with, the Hunt Quietly group, who take nothing and are working their asses off to change crap that we're concerned about you know it's like Mm -hmm. and these are people that work in other sectors they don't work in the hunting and fishing sphere and they're and they're putting all this time in it's like it's does it just seems more incumbent on people that are taking for monetary gain right content and, and how to and all the other stuff they'd be more incumbent on them to give how is it that right. Matt Fine hours, what are you like 10, 15 hours a week, probably? Same. Guess, yeah. Same for me, 20 hours. There's several other uh, in and and we we're not even deriving anything from the right. natural world. Yeah. Like no, other than our own hunting, you know? Yeah. No, I I totally agree with that too. And it's it's a hard point for me as a guide because it's like I totally get that and you know how much how much can a outfitter really bring back into the community or into the resource when you know you're you're thriving your business off of it i mean you you can but um there's a lot you can do um but at the same time when money gets involved you know it just ends up being kind of a conundrum and yeah. in a lot of ways, you know what I mean? Um, and, and there's a lot, you know, that they, they do, and we do a lot of, you know, charity like tournaments and charity work and Casper and stuff like that. Um, but you know, it's, it's just a, it's a, it's a weird thing because of the crowding and, and things like that. It's like, am I helping it? Am I hurting it? But I'm, I'm kind of at the, at the bottom of the <laughs> yeah you know right, what i mean <laughs> right. yeah so it's yeah. like i'm just bro i'm just shoveling water <laughs> right yeah you know but um no ryan ryan and liz and all i will say especially the guide services that are based in casper i won't name all of them but they everybody does a great job of managing the river but it's gotten to the point where it's the out of state wade fishermen mostly and things like that that have 
that have really put the pressure on the fish, especially on certain sections, like in between a couple of those reservoirs where the, the brown trout come up out of the reservoir to spawn Mm -hmm. that you go out there to guide where I went out, I guided my last trip. Um, I think it was January, uh, end of, uh, December 20th, I think it was. Um, and you go out there and normally I'd go out there to guide and you'd maybe see one or two people, you know, it's December and yeah, I went out there, not peak fishing. No. And the fishing's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's like, I saw probably 12 people wade fishing almost. And it's only about a three mile stretch. Yeah. Um, you know, every single run and, you know, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but you know, the main thing I'm getting at is in my short time here, I've seen it change so much that it's a red flag, you know, and all the veteran guides that have been guiding here 20, 25 years, whatever are like, you know, they're, they're like, this is insane because the fishing has slowed down. The pressure has gotten way bigger and people are just trying to catch a fish off the reds to take an Instagram picture. They don't give a shit where, how they caught it, where they caught it, whatever, which is fine. I get it. You know, so it's kind of a, you know, what's funny to me is that what'll happen there is what's happened in a lot of places. They'll start putting restrictions on. Yeah. They'll start. Res- this is what society which does. Is stuff fine. Like this. Well, that, that's yeah, fine. They'll, put, they'll be like, oh, you have to, you, you know, get a permit. You can only go when you once a week or however they do it. This is happening in Montana right now. So that's a, like that's part of the ensemble of solutions is let's put barriers on how many people can go. <laughs> but yeah, well, how is yeah. it that like? Yeah, well, they already like, have again, that again. The bit about you're not allowed to take pictures or generate yeah, content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then even in another one would be to do something to discourage promotion. Right. They don't do anything to discourage promotion. They just and, and the, go right to legal. Yeah. Passing laws. Like, and that's the thing. It's like, not go. it's like, well, how about, well, that's just, how about don't make people want to go there? Yeah. Cease making more people want to go there. But how would we ever enforce that? That's the thing that like a public awareness campaign. Right. So there's already a section closed uh below one of the dams on the river that's about a half a mile, a little under half a mile, that they closed during April, which is just for spawning fish, because there's that many fish that spawn in this river. Um, which is good, but there's other areas where i think they could do it but how do you enforce just people being idiots i mean i don't know how you do that but it's got to be <laughs> worth a lot of money to have the fish there so you could yeah oh it um, is have you ever sure. heard of wow the wow expo no it's in lander wyoming the okay. wyoming outdoor weekend and expo okay outdoor um, and weekend with the wyoming outdoor, wyoming weekend. outdoor weekend it's a weird that is a weird name wyoming outdoor weekend and expo 
Yeah, so I'm giving a, a talk there. I'm traveling to your state. Oh, good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Matt Finehour is going to come down and meet me, right? I'm not too far from Wyoming. Well, you said you were. You said you. You told me you were going to. Oh, was it that one? I thought that was a, a different one. Aren't you speaking at another? I'm speaking place at the. Sounds like I'm. Now it sounds like I'm just advertising my shit. <laughs> but no, I'm. I'm giving a talk at the Montana Wilderness Society meeting. Right. Nice. But yeah, you, you and you and our other contributor Jill uh, Grennan said you guys were going to come down and hang I, out. Was it that one, or were we talking about the Montana Wilderness? No, 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 no. The Lander one. Hmm. How is it that you're 21 years younger than me? And I have a better memory than you. <laughs> because you have you have small children. I think that's probably why. My, my children, yeah, my children run my life. Yeah. By, by the, well, by the time also you don't get work. enough sleep. You know what the worst thing is for short-term memory is not enough sleep. Oh yeah. By the time I get done with work, too, my uh, my mental capacity is has been shut off. Well, just because you forget doesn't mean you have an excuse for not following through. <laughs> I'll, I'm gonna screen my I'm gonna screen my text because you told me you were coming by a time. Okay. Yeah, send me the date for it, and I'll. I'll make my plans. Okay. I get I you, Matt. In, I think it's in May. <laughs> I think it's in May. You're a long way from from uh Lander, PJ, so I'm gonna give you a pass. But not yeah, not if Matt not too if far. Matt doesn't sh- Matt and Jill don't show up, I'm gonna be pretty booty hurt. Yeah, I'm only I'm four hours, but I, I All uh, right, well I'm gonna be a little I, I Elcon over there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, maybe you could roll it into a scouting trip. There you go. Yeah, it's uh, they're gonna have me talk for thirty to forty-five minutes, and then they're gonna have me do Q and A after that. Nice. And I was like, I was like, why the fuck do you guys want? I'm I'm potty mouth tonight. Like, in addition to messing you with your short-term memory, not getting a good night's sleep, like I did not get one last night, messes with your filter. So. That's why I'm being a potty mouth. I'm gonna be a. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do better here. So, what was I talking about? Oh, that expo. I was just like, "Why are you inviting me to this?" And I'm still. I need to ask them that because you never know what their intentions are. Well, it's. I'm involved in this tiny, tiny, tiny little group with this tiny, tiny little podcast. Well, you're and, 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 and an Instagram account that can't even begin to compete with like two bit. It's probably because you're wild. You're wild sheep. Was it at the Wild Sheep Foundation? No, it was uh, it was the Pope and Young. That was oh, maybe amazing. people saw that, but even that only got six. 000. That was great, though. Well, thank you. Even that only got six thousand views. I guess somebody on the committee that was deciding who's going to speak there. But I was real dubious. I thought, oh, they just want me there because of my last name and my famous hunting brother. But I said this week, I said that the, my relationship to my brother will not be used as an advertising instrument for this event. And they're like, yeah, of course not. <laughs> yeah, that's a little fishy. <laughs> you know, they're like, yeah, I'm going to do that. So that blew that up. 
I just am surprised because this is a big event. Yeah. A big event. So I, I was just pretty surprised that they wanted me to keynote it. I, I'm I'm a big supporter, man. So go and do your thing. And I, I think you're I think you're preaching some really, really good stuff. So well, thank thank you, BJ. Yeah. And I know that I don't have a lot to offer here, but oh, I just man. wanted to. It was, it was good to hear a little bit about the fishing situation in Wyoming. Yeah, and and you know, and it's it's the grand scheme of things with the salt water and you know, every you know everywhere the fishing is it's 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 experiencing a lot of the the runoff from the same thing that hunting's going through. Yeah, you know the same type of you know, through the social media and all that stuff, it's, it's trickling over on both sides. Yeah. No, there's the parallels are, couldn't be closer. I yeah. had a couple surfers on now because I think I see strong parallels, even with that mountaineering right. is another pastime where I see. Oh yeah. That makes sense. Parallels. Yeah. Any, any outdoor activity where there's a limited supply. Yeah. That's the thing. There's only so much. I, I think the people that are increasing the demand are betraying. They're betraying the people, the other people in their community. That's yeah, yeah. That's my. That's our. That's our message, right, Matt, or one of them. Yeah. No, I I totally agree with that. And you have to respect the resource, no matter what you're doing. You know, hunting, fishing, climbing a wall. You know mountain climbing whatever it's like you know you treat it like a girl at the bar that you want to go up and talk to you don't just rush right in there and say hey want to come home with me you know you you work your way in and get to know that that resource and be respectful to the, the people that have been there before you and and you know try to talk you know get it yeah. you know you know what i'm saying that's probably a bad analogy but yeah, it's no, like you got you got to work your way in there. Yeah, you got to. It, it goes along the lines of we, no matter what we're doing when we go out when we go outdoors, we're consuming something. We are consuming a resource. It is a limited resource that needs to be treated as such. And I think, especially with fishing, because everyone, a lot of people, practice that catch and release. Don't necessarily understand that that's still a limited resource, and and that. You know, whether you're hunting, whether you're fishing, there's a limit. Solitude is a yeah. limited resource, you know? <laughs> Yo, totally. It really is. And I'm sure you guys know this, but man, after COVID, I saw a sudden change in my clientele and the amount of people on the river. But it's just gotten, you know, after COVID, it just absolutely blew up. Everybody was like, oh, we can go outside. We can go to public lands. Look at all these public lands. Wyoming has the most public lands in the United States. Let's go out there. Right. See people, you know, in the vans, the camper vans and all that. Every every campsite is filled up and it's like, holy shit, this isn't the Wyoming that I knew and, you know, grew to love. But yeah, it's... Well, I, and, and, you know, big army wonders if that's just a blip and things will go a little get. Yeah. You can't blame it all decline. on that. Yeah. yeah well, I'm just, yeah. I wonder, is it permanent that this right. peaked interest in the natural? Yeah. Well, camping Which and all that, 
in I, a lot of ways, it's good. I mean, it, if people yeah, want to, yeah, it's not something I'm focused on. I'm just trying to say, if you do it, do it for the right reasons, at least. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you're gonna yeah. if you're gonna impact my experience negatively, at least be out there for the experience. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Anytime somebody's out there for the experience and they have their experience negatively impacted by people that are trying to make a buck or say something about themselves and justice is served or negative negatively impacted by the, the quarry that they get, you know, the amount of fish or, you know, like, Oh, I didn't, I didn't shoot a buck, you know, five days. I went hunting five days. I didn't, I didn't shoot a bull or I didn't do that. And they, you know, they're upset about it. It's like, no, that's, that's hunting or, you know, that's fishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You can't, you can't always expect a result in a, in a video and a picture. (laughs) (laughs) Failure is a foregone conclusion for me. Oh dude. Fail. I mean, even though it sucks, it's what makes the the, good times good. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is. It is. is. That's what Matt was just saying. That's what you were saying about the, the brain in a vat because you got to build, you got to bake in some failure or people won't appreciate it when they succeed. Yes. Yeah. The the successes for me with hunting and fishing. Yeah. Some things fishing for perch through, through the ice. I'm probably going to catch a buck, a five gallon bucket full, but with, you know, most things it's like, yeah, I failed again. Failed again. Right. (laughs) Which is, which is, I think, part of it which is awesome yeah. you know and i know you guys too but all right boys that's all i got for tonight i'm gonna go work on my uh on my deep down body hunger and sleep deprivation but pj oh. matt matt thanks as always pj it's so nice to meet you you too sounds brother. like you're a very thoughtful person is trying to figure out how you go about doing what you do in the, in the best way you can. And I applaud you for that. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Good night. Yeah. Have a good one. All right. Good night, Matt. Bye.